Hi there and welcome to The Brave, the podcast about the people, companies, systems and ideas that are contributing to a better future. I'm your host, Beth and Vincent. I'm the managing partner of Open Velocity. We're a marketing strategy consultancy and I started this podcast back in 2019 as a bit of an excuse to speak to interesting people doing very interesting things. So we try and speak to guests who are experts in their field, they might be startup founders, they might be scientists or policy makers, and we like to talk about what it takes to build new products, create new markets, and generally challenge the status quo. And this podcast for me is a bit of an antidote to a lot of the kind of negative press, you know, we get around technology and kind of where the future's heading. So we like to focus on the positives and people doing really cool things that have a profoundly positive impact. And this week we have Peter Briffitt on the podcast. Now, Peter is the founder of WageStream, which is building the employee bank that provides fair financial services to millions of frontline workers. And we all know we live in, sadly, the age of the cost of living crisis, which is hitting pretty much everyone I know here in the UK and obviously is part of a wider global squeeze on living standards due to high inflation and the kind of after impacts of the pandemic. Now, in this episode, we we kind of dive into actually quite a wide wide range of topics, we generally do, and we talk about, you know, how do we build financial services for low-income workers through employer-based benefits? What are some of the actual financial challenges faced by low-income workers who are maybe, you know, struggling with things like, how do I pay my bills when, you know, my salary kind of runs out halfway through the month and I've got to wait till payday? We also talk about kind of wider financial well-being and actually the idea of a poverty premium so that people on lower incomes actually pay a premium to access services. You know, we saw this in the energy crisis last year that where people were paying a premium to access things like, you know, prepaid energy meters, for example. We also talk about the role kind of companies can take in wellness, financial education for employees and also, you know, Peter reflects a little bit on building a fintech company that's focused on financial inclusion. How, what does that look like in terms of kind of growth and building a business that has this kind of purpose at the core? So this is a really cool conversation from someone who's building a business, solving one of the acute problems of today. So I really hope you enjoy it and we'll take it away with Peter now. So my name is Peter Brifford. I'm one of the co-founders of WageStream. Um, and for those that don't know WageStream, and there'll be many, that WageStream, um, you know, our, our mantra in life is to try and um, change the way that uh, lower income workers get banked. And we distribute financial services through employers for the first time as benefits to um, allow those frontline workers to get fairer financial services by using the employer essentially as the bank. And what was kind of the impetus behind setting up the business? Was there kind of a light bulb moment that bringing almost the kind of, I guess, financial service to the point of the wage? It definitely was a light bulb moment because I've never done a fintech before. My background is in financial services. I had no business really starting WaveStream whatsoever. But and myself and my co-founder, um, this was five years ago, by the way, when we started WaveStream, um, had never met before. But a mutual friend in the US had, had shared an article with both of us that he knew us independently from different businesses, but we didn't know each other, about Walmart, um, which is obviously one of the largest retailers on earth, one of the largest companies on earth. They were starting to um, build out a set of financial tools for their staff 
um, to try and get some business value. So they were thinking around does flexible pay drive better shift uptake or retention of staff does savings programs for our staff reduce financial stress and make people more productive these types of things and that light bulb moment came to us we thought my god this is technology now can enable us to actually build out financial services to employee base in a way that wasn't possible before because payroll systems workforce management systems are all cloud-based we can access those key data points um and obviously you know fintech was emerging as a as a, as a core technology sector and we just felt certainly in the uk that if we could provide in the first case flexible pay for a you know um you know a frontline workforce this would have a, a really strong and positive impact on their lives because it would prevent them going into debt between pay cycles um and in the us everyone gets paid every two weeks by the way there's no such thing as a monthly pay cycle whether you, you know you work in hospital you're donald trump everyone gets paid every two weeks uh, whereas in the uk as we know under under our feudal systems it's a monthly pay <laughs> cycle so the stress in the system is actually quite intense for a lot of shift-based workers lower-income workers because four weeks is a long time um you know to get through before you get paid and though and it can cause people to fall into debt between pay cycles and and the, and this is something we should talk about with financial inclusion because you know if you're not you know seen as a as a good credit risk and you you've got a thin credit file the way that you will maybe get through that pay cycle is fall into the hands of predatory lenders not high street banks but the lenders that are charging you you know hundreds in interest rates um percent points in interest rates which is which is horrible and I guess uh, this might be a stupid question, but how receptive are employers to this? <laughs> because obviously, um, I, I can imagine larger employers obviously have the cash flow to support this. But do you foresee this as a model that can be rolled out across the whole of the economy? Well, that's a great question, because uh, as good entrepreneurs, when we, we thought, wow, we can allow anyone to choose their payday. That is something that every employer in Britain will want, right? Well, there'll probably be a queue of CEOs outside the door and she or he would be trying to sign. Like we'd probably have to, we'd probably run out of pens for all the contracts that they wanted to sign with us. Um, and we have to reinforce the doors of the building, et cetera. Well, we launched WageStream and none of those things were true. There was no queue. No CEOs came to see us um, and that we didn't need to reinforce anything. It was a real challenge actually, because we have to contract with the business because we're taking the credit risk off an individual we're putting on a corporate entity which means we can provide these services almost to free to an individual so we have to essentially be a, an enterprise sales company and sign up large businesses and that's a real challenge when you're a small little startup um, and of course we had full of bravado thought everyone would sign well the reality is you know we're a big risk to a large company right we're a new technology they've never used us before monthly pay cycles are sort of seen as responsible and something that's always been there why would you change that um and we hadn't we had no proof points or credibility so it's a real challenge one thing that was obvious from the beginning though beth that we had to fund this ourselves so we couldn't get some of our larger clients to fund this because that was our natural assumption that this could come out of the the money you know the the, the company account we'd actually have to fund this so we've had we've had to go and get credit facility so or even though we work with an employer and we allow any of their staff to choose when they get paid the money originates from us even though it moves in the company's name so if you work at burger king it comes into your account says burger king just like your wages it comes from us because that was one of the unlocks we had to have in order for us to to sign because i love we love our clients we love our companies but they also like the monthly payroll right because guess what they get to keep the money for longer and when you are in a high interest rate environment like now that money's worth a lot 
right? There's a lot of money there that you can uh, get off interest rate payments. So there wasn't a, a big incentive for them to pay themselves, even though it's probably the right thing to do. And of course, we're dealing, you know, in some cases, in some companies, you know, the, the people we deal with, the buyers in the enterprise aren't in that lower income bracket, right? They aren't feeling those financial pressures. So trying to get them to understand sometimes their financial issues of their staff is, is also a challenge. But who doesn't like challenges? Absolutely. That's why we do this, right? And I guess you, you've touched on that a bit there. It's this kind of gap of understanding between the reality of what a low income life actually looks like. Did you do any kind of user research before you kind of formulated the solution at all with, with people, shift workers, people in that situation? Yeah, absolutely. Well, we did our version of user research, which wasn't sort of a six month month extended, you know, program of, of you know, closed door sessions and, and questionnaires. No. Um, so, so, you know, when Portman and me started talking on the phone, this is my co-founder, after we'd started reading in the Wall Street Journal what Walmart was doing, he flew into the UK. Um, we didn't know each other at all. I picked him up from Heathrow. He went went to Windsor. It's the closest town that we could find. I didn't really want to go to Slough. It went to Windsor. Um, and we ended up walking around the town for two days and talking to every restaurant owner and every restaurant employee we could, um, every sort of, uh, you know, any, any, any hospitality brand, any retailer, and asked their staff, would you like to choose when you got paid, everyone was like, that would be game changing. I'd love that. Why, when can you do that? Um, and we thought, wow, this is great. This was, but by the way, we were just talking to employees at this point. We weren't going to the businesses because that was, that was a challenge, but um, that was our user research. And it was just resoundingly, wow, that would change my life. If I could, you know, do a shift and, and, and have that money available to me, that would be a big deal. So that, that was, uh, that was our user research. And then we didn't know, you know, not being in financial services, we called the FCA from the little red telephone box outside Windsor Castle. And f you know what? They picked up straight away. You call the FCA, they pick up. I guess no one calls them. Um, and we were like, we don't think this is credit because this is just accessing people's money. They The company owes them. Um, and they were like, mm, interesting. Didn't know. Went to another department, went to another department. They couldn't tell us. So 10 minutes later, we put the phone down and said, well, this is on. Um, we don't need to be regulated and everyone wants it. And I guess... It it's interesting as well because what comes through from your website and a lot of the work you do is you've got this kind of social charter and there's a lot of purpose behind what you do so could you talk a little bit about that and how every product or service you deliver has to actually improve financial well-being i guess you when you look back in hindsight there's certain decisions you make when you're running a company or trying to grow a business you don't think they're that important at the time but in hindsight they're hugely important you just sort of didn't didn't really realize and one of ours at the beginning was that this should be a social impact business and when we went out to get some seed funding one of the first um funds that we started spending time with was a come was this fund called ascension and their lps a big society capital um uh, joseph roundtree Barrow Cadbury, so these big Victorian chocolatier charities that actually a hundred years ago were trying to do a lot of social impact with their staff, building town schools for their workforce, and they still invest in social impact businesses today. And they taught us about the poverty premium, which is the more that a lower income worker will spend on, you know, whether it's financial services or insurance and a high net worth or a middle income earner, which is one of these horrible dichotomies in life. It costs more to be lower income if you like, because your utility bills are higher because maybe you can't get direct debit. So you're paying 
um, on a on a key fob, your your um, you know any sort of credit is vastly higher than it would be if you had a good credit score. So the, the poverty premium is something we got educated on, and we felt that ev- and and we put a social charter, and they funded our business in the seed stage, and as a result of that, we put a social charter in our articles, which is you can see on Company's House is it says that every single product we every every service or product that we distribute has to have a positive impact and reduce a poverty premium for frontline workers so everything we do we're trying to create a fairer playing field in our case in financial services for frontline workers in the uk and now in the us and spain but that's that's our mantra and i think that decision has been absolutely key i think it drives a lot of our it drives all our product decisions but it also is part of the dna of wavestream it's the reason a lot of people work at wavestream um and it's also i'm sure why a lot of our clients um, have spent a lot of time with us because they know that's something that we're always, you know, from now or 10 years time, that will still be our charter. And and obviously the solution is popular and doing good, but it does feel like at the moment there is, I guess, a kind of structural issue within society around inequality. And I guess, do you have any thoughts around potentially technology's role in solving that? Or are you thinking about kind of extending the product to solve even bigger challenges at all? Yeah, I think we we we, we see this sort of, you know, someone's journey from financial health, and we're trying to build product to enable that journey to happen for them. I mean, if you think about what we've learned in, you know, there's banking's been around for 400 years. And the issue that banks have with lower income workers is they don't really like them. And they don't, and it's not a personal thing, it's they don't make the bank any money, right? If you've got low income and you've got volatile pay, if you're a shift worker, so you haven't got consistent salary coming in every month, you are a risk to that bank. And as a result of being a risk, the bank can't give you all the stuff they like to give people like mortgages, loans, all the things they make money out of. So whilst they may pretend to you know, have low, they, they don't really want low income workers because it actually costs them money to serve them. So think about that that's 400 years of banking hasn't solved any inclusion for low-income workers then on the other side of the coin here you've got employers which are probably the most positive financial institution in a worker's life because they pay them everyone else is taking from them the employer is paying them um and with with technology now what and, and the employer does not see their workforce as a risk they see their workforce as their biggest asset right because if you run a restaurant chain or if you run a retail or if you run a logistics company without your employees you are out you're finished so knowing that then they will spend money and subsidize and pay for benefits that will you know help their staff have better financial health uh, the big ones pay making pay more flexible, more real, massively helps people. Um, the other one that we found was incredibly interesting is visibility of earnings. Many shift workers do not see in real time what they're earning. I, I have a salary, a very low salary, obviously, at Waystream, but I have a salary, so I know every month what's coming in, right? And it's it may you know, go back and forth by a pound or two, but I know what's coming in. If you're a shift worker, you just don't have that visibility. We assumed everyone did, but then we started working with these large companies they don't. So we are on our app, it shows them in real time, every penny they're earning, and they can see exactly what they're going to earn that month. We look at what they've earned, what they're going to earn, because we can look into the rotors, because we have these links to the company. Now we've put open banking and we can show what they're spending. So it becomes like a financial Fitbit, very powerful utility function that they can have. That, that, so visibility, visibility, then flexible pay, prevent people getting to debt. Now we've got savings programs in the app. We give the NHS currently 5% savings program. So I can 
you know, I can take some of my salary and put it into a savings account. And we got quite a few people saving for the first time. And then we start rounding down shifts. So I do a shift. I round down that little amount at the top to the nearest pound, put that into a savings account. And we got 40% more people do like, you know, from going 5% of our base and we've got millions of people on waste now to 40% of people saving for the first time. So you try, and then on top of that, now we've got financial coach. So we're trying to give people financial help um, and financial coaching on any issues they have. Um, we're all paid for, by the way, that coach is a real time. Some of it's AI, mm. a lot of it's human, all paid for by the company. So that, cause, so that they, that, cause they see that as benefit. So you're trying to take them on this journey. The next step for us is building up better credit scores for people. Because if you have a bad credit score, you are excluded from what we'd all consider fair financial services, right? Just fair credit loans or fair credit mortgages. You know, most of our workforce can't even get a mortgage because they're not, they're excluded from that. Can't be a homeowner. Um, you know, so you're paying horrible rents to landlords that cost you more than your mortgage would so th those are the the things we look at the poverty premium it costs to be excluded costs you more this is it's awful even if you're extremely hard working and you go to work every day you're still being excluded for for different reasons so we we look at things like that on that journey and we're building a set of tools to get people a out of debt into savings programs into you know financial advice and then better financial health overall and it's not it doesn't happen overnight but that's the plan well the education point is so so important because we know there is an advice well there's there's an advice gap as in there isn't enough kind of financial advisors for the population but that obviously only really comes into play when you've actually got some wealth or money to actually place but w nobody is taught financial management as part of our education no, no I, I, exactly um i mean i've i've got to you know, teenage sons now, they're just finishing school. They, you know, neither of them have ever had a financial management or financial planning, um, you know, session at school. And you think about that, that's that's the case for the whole of the UK. It's just not taught. So people go out, young um, grads go out or just finish school, they go and get their first job and then they expect to be masters of budgeting when no one's ever told them how that works. Um, so, and, you know, on, the, on that's just on the normal financial sort of planning side. On the other side, you know, if you're an oligarch or a high net worth, you can call up your bank and there'll be a plethora of advisors sat there waiting to help you. And if you're a lower income worker, you can't, your bank will not give you, fun, like, they're just not going to do that, right? So we believe the employer should help with that. And they, they believe that as well. And that's why a lot of them do it. And it's it's very helpful. Um, we've We found that you know, just giving people static financial educational content is doesn't work. No one got home from yeah. work and said, I'll read that budgeting <laughs> brochure my company sent me because just the perfect time. I won't watch Netflix. Um, but the reality is if you've got a real time person that can on text that can answer any questions because everyone's financial world is different and everyone's questions will be different. And if that's available to you, then you're going to get quick advice and quick help, um, even if it's pointing you into a into some sort of document. Yeah, and I think also it, it being in an app and it being actionable, you know, a lot of financial advice is very paternalistic and often quite judgmental. You know, it's this narrative we have in society that you're poor because you, you spend too much and stop buying avocado toast and then you can buy a house and yeah. that kind of thing. But actually yeah. giving giving people the tools as opposed to telling them what to do seems seems like a really positive step. And I guess obviously moving kind of the cost of living crisis, we know financial stress is on the rise. Have you seen any indications of that in your users data or kind of anecdotally the, the impact of the cost of living crisis yeah absolutely so there's over sort of three million 
employees now that that have access to WaveStream in the UK. So you have a huge amount of data on uh, why people use WaveStream, why they may stream their wages in a given month, the level of savings that people are able to attain, the type of questions they're asking from financial coaches. Um, and it's it's definitely true that you know, certainly on the flexible pay side, there's a lot more usage just on groceries and transport now than there was two or three years ago. Um, you know, that, so not just these aren't aspirational items people are buying or they are actually just staple stuff that they're just, you know, just to eat or 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 move around or get to work. On the financial coaching side, a huge amount of questions, a lot, a lot more um, you know, a lot, a lot, a lot more volume of of questions, but also a lot more things around budgeting. You know, uh, just around debt, about how to handle larger amounts of debt. Um, who do they go to? Where can they turn? Those types of things. Now we got a few, a bit of that before, but the, the volume of it's really, really gone up. And I think you know we get people in these great savings programs, um, but yeah, those you know those there's lesser amounts going to savings than there was two or three years ago. So there's those are all sort of big changes, and that is definitely the pressure being felt by cost of living. Indeed. And I guess looking forward to kind of the next two to five years, what what kind of comes next for Waytream? What are some of the challenges and opportunities you're thinking about? Yeah, I mean, I think we've still got a huge think about, you know, we're trying to... Um, you know, have better financial services for Britain's frontline workers. There's there's 10 million of those in the UK. So we're sort of a, got a lot of work to do there. We're also operating in the US now, uh, where there's more like 40, 50 million. We're operating in Europe. So there's a huge sort of growth. I think we're thinking very much around, can you change the bank? Like, can you change banking forefront like can you can you start to include and give fairer financial services to employers so and that journey that i spoke about before it starts with flexible pay but it ends with better credit um scores a better financial service better like better insurance policies better utility bills all these types of things so we we, we take people through through that sort of in journey of, of inclusion to get to make sure that they're being treated fairly and the challenge we have is in in some cases because these services cost money we want the employer to pay for those um and that's also always a challenge but if they're getting the business benefit of more hours worked by individuals um employees better retention rates a lot of our large clients have you know lose 70 60 67 of their staff every year then they they can see the the business value of it, so they'll pay for those services. So that's that's I guess that's where we're that's all part of the challenge, but still a lot of growth for us. I think um, we just yeah we but the the good thing is every single client that has you know bought WageStream, it's the first it's the first time they've ever um, bought uh, bought this before. We you know we don't have anyone leave us. They absolutely love it. They think it's a key benefit. They don't lose it. So I think it's just it's sort of layers on top of each other we just we just but it's still yeah it's always it's always a challenge to grow yeah exciting stuff and i guess final question for me do you have any advice you give to someone who's looking set up maybe an inclusive mission-driven fintech proposition yeah i i would i'd say a you know be very clear on what you're trying to achieve for people in terms of your social impact or or, or, or what you're trying to do for inclusion and the great news is there is a lot of um, social impact charities out there and I can name Ascension or, or Barrow Cadbury or Big Society Capital or Joseph Roundtree that specialise in funding businesses that have these types of agendas and that are true to you know to doing something so A there's seed money and B you know there's a lot more I guess there's there's a lot more awareness from big corporates as well about trying to do the right thing about trying to do social good so I think 
you know, you'll get a lot further with your business probably now than you may have done 20 years ago, because there's a lot more awareness around these things. And of course, there's a huge amount more data in the world that people can use and rely on to prove or disprove certain things. So, um, yeah, I mean, and then if anyone is trying to start something, let me know. And I'll, I'm I'm more than happy to try and help. It's uh, the early days are fun, but hard. In fact, the late the late days are, are still fun, but all hard. hard. Yeah, it's all <laughs> Never hard. gets easier. There's always yeah. more challenges. Yeah. Um, brilliant. So, if people did want to kind of connect with you, would LinkedIn be the best place to find? LinkedIn's you? always the best. We do a lot of stuff on LinkedIn, um, so I'm always around all about LinkedIn. So, just ping me on LinkedIn and, and have a chat on that. Thanks so much to Peter for coming on an episode. I really hope you enjoyed it. If you did, if you wanted to help us, you could leave a rating and or a review on the podcast platform of your choice. It just helps more people hear about the podcast, listen to it, kind of spread the word and all of that fun stuff. And also, you know, it's a bit of feedback for us on what you liked, what you didn't like, what we could do in the next episode. Also, if you have a guest you want to hear from, you want us to interview, please let us know. You can catch us on hello at openvelocity.co.uk. And if you're interested in coming on the podcast yourself, you've got a story to share, then please get in touch on the email. Or if you check us out online, type in the brave. We have a little bit of a form you can fill in just with your details and then we'll be in touch to chat further. Finally, you know, it, it wouldn't be <laughs> I wouldn't be a good marketeer if I didn't do a little bit of a pug for open velocity. So, you know, if you're building a company with purpose or you're in a company that is growing with purpose and you need some support with your kind of marketing strategy from ex-CMOs, ex-marketing directors who've been there, done it before, please get in touch. You know, a chat costs nothing. We're always happy to kind of offer some free advice as well. So again, just get in touch on hello at openvelocity.co.uk. And with that, I will leave it there. I hope to see you in the next episode. Stay safe and speak soon.